going to be unusual. We've got a bunch of unusual stuff going on. We always have a bunch of unusual stuff going on. <laughs> Not to think about it, but uh, uh, so this gift thing uh, that's going to be happening with the kids is just incredible. Um, it's uh, be 300 or so kids receiving gifts, and this is just uh, benevolence, things that we're giving out for the kids, and we just do so many things like that. I, I, it's, I, I, I love our church so much, I can't even keep track of all the benevolence we do anymore. It's just everywhere. Uh, just good things done informally. Everything from clothing to food, you name it. Housing has been picking up. We've just been very successful this year, learning literally by, from the Lord how to do this. And uh, housing home, the homeless and our, our bringing assist, housing assistance. And I, I'm just so blessed. I'm just so proud to be a part of a church. To me, like if you're not doing that kind of stuff, like what are you doing, right? I mean, this is just the heart of the gospel. And, and, and we just see it in Jesus' life. And I'm just so pleased with uh, the way things are developing. This year's going to be a little weird, you know. Um, we're all going to be together and we're going to be doing a bilingual service, which... Uh, um, most of you aren't used to, but I'm quite used to in the nations, but it's going to be a little different. And um, so we'll be doing that, and uh, that's Christmas Eve. And uh, so like we said, we won't be here Christmas Day, but we will be here Christmas Eve, and uh, we'll be merged with our Hispanic church as well. So this is going to be pretty fun. I can't wait to see how that all turns out. It's going to be amazing. So we got together the other day and talked about it. I'm, I'm really thankful. I think that's the first time in our history... Andy, is that right? I, I think that's the first time we've ever done anything together like that, isn't it? That's perfect. Perfect. All right, so everybody should have a, an outline. It should say, Mary's story is every believer's story. So, um, and it's so true. And I just want to just start off with reading the story, just the beginning of Luke chapter 1. And I want to read uh, verses uh, 26 to 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I even like the way that sounds. How about you? The Lord is with you. The Lord's with me. I like that word, Emmanuel. The Lord's with me. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. So she gets this news. It's just an amazing thing, right? And uh, obviously she was favored to get the news. But we have favor on us as well. Yes. And it's important. I'm learning more and more and more um, that in this invisible kingdom we walk in, I'm beginning to realize that one of my main jobs is to, re is to respond to the invitations of heaven. And they come in subtle ways. But first of all, you have to know that the invitations are constantly going out. In your everyday life, which is the most important thing, usually we think of an invitation you know, something, and then it's a big deal, and then we respond to it and go to a special place. But I found that God's invitations to move in the supernatural, to be rep his representatives in the world are all around us. 
As a matter of fact, one of my greatest fear is missing an invitation to do good to someone. I think that should be ours too. In other words, assuming that we're going to be in the world and assuming wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, and maybe we might find ourselves in some odd situations, but we're God's people. And the invitation goes out for us to do something, to be his representative in the world, right? Mary believed in the impossible declaration she was giving. Maybe that's what made all the difference between her and everyone else. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now here's the key thing. This is key. And I just am learning this with the Lord a lot. I'm learning that there's all kinds of invitations for me to be his representative, for me to do things in the world. Far more than I realized before. It's just that I never knew that that was part of my job description, right? And especially with some of the most serious things, like lead that person to the Lord or pray for that sick person, heal those blind eyes, go give that money to such and such, those little directions, right? But look at this amazing, I'm not, talk about an invitation. Wow, okay, this is a big one, right? And maybe God looked for the, throughout the whole earth and eons of time till finally he found one person who would say the following, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Oh, just a small little word. (laughs) Mother of God. (laughs) Earthly mother of God. Supernatural presence on the inside. Lots of questions. But she's the model for all the rest of us. We too carry the presence of God. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why when we get saved, the Spirit comes and lives on us. And, And that's why Jesus made it Doubly important, he made it very, very clear to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples, wait, wait, there's something special coming. And it's the same with us, right? It's so important to understand there are people of favor and we carry things. And we just need to be able to believe in these impossible declarations that might even come to us in the middle of the day, might become in the middle of work, might come as we're at a restaurant or wherever. Go pray for that person. I have something for them. I have something for you to do. And specific directions that way. I'm telling you, this is where all the action is. This is a lot of fun, right? But it was right here at the very beginning. It was the same. Right at the very, very beginning, God had to find someone that would not say, no way! (laughs) I'm going to do that. That's crazy. No way. Who is this? Is that really you, God? Right? No, she just says, well, may your word to me be fulfilled. I'm looking at a bunch of dangerous people here. Dangerous for the devil and great for the Lord. And just people that will say yes. Just say yes. May your word to me be fulfilled. Okay, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. He found this person. He's always looking for that person. Zachariah, on the other hand, had a little more difficulty with an angel's announcement about his son. Remember that story? You see that also in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled 
and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. So he's getting this amazing thing, right? This invitation also. And, uh, and so, uh, so Zechariah asked the angel, and we see it, pick it up in verse 18. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now, to me, that sounds like a perfectly sane <laughs> response, you know. Are you sure? But if you have to think about who you're talking to there. So I'm trying to weed out, are you sure, out of my life. I'd rather make a mistake the other way. But we're always wanting to get it right. We're the perfectionist kind of thing. You know, we're always got to make it just right. And it actually flows out of a profound sense of maybe fear or insecurity that God really absolutely loves us, you know. Because if God loves us, he wouldn't ask us to do anything that we're not supposed to do, right? And, and if God loves us, he'll cover us. I tell you what I found. The boundaries are a lot better. I used to think, I remember when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was the most wonderful. I could feel God's presence in me. And I was, I almost snuffed the Holy Spirit out because I kept going, okay, do you want me to turn right or turn left? Do I go eat at this place or that place? I drive myself absolutely crazy trying to follow the Holy Spirit so carefully and legalistically, you know. I don't know if anybody else went through that, right? Okay, okay. But I found out that it's actually much more relaxed than that. <laughs> it's as if God, just chill out here, look, you know. Why don't you go talk to that person? And I think as you begin to walk in the Spirit, He begins to sort of just, you just have these slight impressions. They're not like overall buzzing words. And you could actually reject or accept, except this one was a big one. Because this was going to be a major turning point in, in history, right? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to you to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day that this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. So... There's something here that God's trying to get our attention about, all of us. He wants to speak to us, but he wants us to obey, follow through, right? Yes. Right. And if we don't, I don't think it's going to nearly, at least for my life, it hasn't been this earth-shaking. But then I think back on I think about how many opportunities, how many things that I miss, you know, just from the times that I did respond and did go out and take a step of faith. It almost always turns out right, almost always. Take any kind of risk to witness, to share, to give a few dollars to someone. Almost always works out. I mean, I don't even know there's a time that it didn't work out really very well. I mean, yeah. So you have to ask yourself, what are we so afraid of? Well, the thing is, the favor of Mary is the favor of everyone who responds to the invitations of heaven. So what I think we need to get good at is responding to these invitations. And they don't need to be right on the spot. They may be something that maybe you're considering, you know, you've been thinking about, maybe a pathway to take, you know. Should I do this or not? I think I'm supposed to do this, and I, I, I'm not sure, you know. And, and it's going to mean some risk for you. It's going to mean some stepping out, by the way. And uh, risk is actually faith. That's how you spell faith, R-I-S-K. And so there almost always has that feeling or that sense in it, right? And so Jesus' invitation is the, to be saved is our first one, right? And, uh, but then this next thing is to release God's miraculous power 
to others. If you look at D on the outline, the Bible is the story of God's extending a ceaseless flow of promises and love to all who dare to believe in him as Mary did. And we just see these two things. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. What kind of person must she have been? I'm the Lord's servant. Well, okay, if that's what you think. Uh, you're going to be the Mary of God today. <laughs> Can you imagine? I wonder how many centuries he had to wait to find someone that would just say, okay, may your word be fulfilled. And uh, can we emphasize this? I, I just think um, one thing that we charismatics like to think about about is being led by the Spirit. But the texture of being led by the Spirit is much different than I thought. We always think that's going to be a blowhorn, you know, an, a, a marching band, a signal in the skies. But often this word that we have, these invitations to respond to the invitations of heaven, is actually sometimes quiet, simple, very subtle. And uh, it's, I think it's in keeping with a king, you know. Um, the king has his business. He's a regal king. He's a king of all the universe. And when he speaks, he speaks. And if you missed it, you shouldn't be missing it, right? I think hearing that voice isn't necessarily loud or obnoxious, but it's important. I think the very first step is to understand that invitations like this are still coming. Invitations to walk with God. Matter of fact, this is the way our walk with God started. It started with Mary responding. I think it's the way we go on with God. Right? So Mary's story is very, very much our story. And I certainly don't want to be on the other side of Zach with Zachariah, right? <laughs> right? He couldn't talk until the time when finally the baby was born. Then he, he, he writes the name down and then he can speak, right? I think God's making a point there, don't you think? Right? And it's kind of an exciting point, actually. And it really means that we'll have to take this step of risk and, and not be afraid. It's Matter of fact, I think I would rather err on these risks. Is that you, Holy Spirit? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And take a step than be too afraid that I'm going to miss it, right? I think we should probably err on the other side because then we actually learn how to tell the difference between God's voice and some other voice. Elizabeth, Elizabeth told Mary with regard to all that was going on. Remember, they have this little council meeting together, right? That's amazing to me. That story has always been so amazing to me. Here these two are talking about the earth-shaking events in their kitchen, right? <laughs> talking, talking it over, you know. She recognizes immediately that Mary's got something special, that Mary knows that something has happened to Elizabeth. And Mary says, Elizabeth tells Mary, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And, and that's the whole thing. That's exactly... But that, let me just read this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, the same Zachariah that didn't do so well with his little trial. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the, la the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, so the baby in the womb leaps, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this connection. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So I suppose all through history, 
God had to find one woman who would believe the promises that he had. The amazing promises of Messiah and Jesus. And as soon as she says, as the sound of a green reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And here these two peasant women, I mean, not maybe, um, probably Elizabeth was more in a priestly class, but certainly Mary was in a peasant class. And they're talking around the kitchen or in the living room or whatever uh, about things that are about to affect the entire earth. The most earth-shaking news of all. And these two women know about it in front of it before anybody else knows. Joseph had a clue as well by that time. But what an amazing thing. And Zechariah was about to have a clue <laughs> as soon as he stopped being dumb, couldn't talk anymore, right? And as soon as he began to speak again, you see? So I just love this story. This is every believer's story. Invitations from heaven and responses. And the humble of heart are the ones that respond the easiest. And I just say... Humility of heart is not necessarily being economically poor. Humility of heart is, is different. It's a condition of your heart. It's, it's being willing to be available to the Lord yes. and, and being used by the Lord, even if that usefulness is the most amazing thing you ever heard of, thing way beyond you, way beyond you. As I think about our church and our life, I just think of how many things have been way beyond us. I think if we've done anything well, we've done things way beyond us, things that uh, we just never thought or possible, you know, or could not have imagined the way they've turned out. Just look all the way around, and our latest one was the school. And you know what? I've been hearing some voices again. (laughs) Our school's going farther than you think. I think it's going to be farther than we think. I think there's far more influence coming through that school than we know. It's in the manger right now. But because of our world and where we're at, this school is going to be a major thing. And what it becomes, even beyond, even maybe 12th grade, beyond into other levels. And um, there's all kinds of movements around. You've been listening? All kinds of changes going around in the city of Laguna Niguel. Has anybody been listening? Anybody listening? Okay, you may not have listened to the news, but there's a supernatural news wire. All kinds of movements going on around us. That land across the street, all of that, the whole thing is about to be sold. There's a sign on the corner. Anybody notice the sign? Anybody think that was unusual? Anybody think that might connect to you, being right across the street from that sign? Years and years and years ago, I heard an invitation. So I'm after that sign. I'm after that space, right? And I say I'm after. I don't have a penny, but I have a word. And I just got a feeling about it, you know? I've got that feeling before, and the problem is, uh, it's just that R-I-S-K is what generally happens, and uh, so it's okay, easy to talk about like now. But when you have to actually start taking steps to actually move toward it is when the rubber meets the road, right? And, uh, and so Mary said yes, and then she had to follow through and walk that whole thing out. And that's what visions do. Uh, that's the way they come. They come in, and there's a lot of excitement, and there's a birth and everything, and then you have to walk it out. And, of course, Mary didn't have an easy life, did she? Matter of fact, the baby's born, and before the baby's already even born, somebody's trying to kill it. And off they go to Egypt, right? 
And actually, it wasn't that easy probably walking down to Bethlehem pregnant either, right? Or on a donkey or however she got there, right? It began to be difficult. And the resistance came. But that's all a part of every believer's story. The favor of God comes. We respond. And if it's a live one, often there's a little conflict, just like a fish being caught out of the water, a little conflict, a little tugging on the end. That's another thing that we underestimate. If you really get a live thing God wants you to do, there's going to be some trial. Matter of fact, one reason why people don't follow through with the invitations of heaven is the trial comes and then they give up too fast. They think they didn't hear God. Or they think that perhaps, you know, it's just not for me or it just uh, freaks them out too much. And uh, I'm talking about all kinds of areas too. Any place where God wants you to progress, move ahead, right? Here's a really important help. Mary not only believed, but she also received the very presence of God. And so it is to be with us. So that's an important thing. She believed, but she also received. She could feel something change, right? And obviously she was pregnant with just a supernatural means. But, but there was something there. She, she received the presence of God. And uh, she, she not only got told something but the Spirit came. The Spirit filled her. And I found that with these proclamations and things that we do with the Lord, whether it's just witnessing to the neighbor across the street or giving some food to someone you know, in a back alley somewhere or whether it's going to another nation or whatever it is, um, there's also with it the sense of the presence of God. And, uh, and God really underlines this with regard to everything we do. This is why we call ourselves a presence-driven church. I just don't understand, frankly, why so many churches and so many uh, um, denominations miss this. I know um, some of the reason. Some of the reason is just the presence of God's too crazy. When he comes, he just takes over. Sometimes he leaves a mess. Sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's noisy or just not what we expected. But if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If you really want to be used by God, if God comes, he'll do whatever he wants. When he does whatever he wants, uh, here's a hint, my ways are not your ways as high as the heavens are above the earth, right? I think in our culture we understand some of these things a little bit. I think we admire the person that took that great risk, right, and started that company and business. You know, we kind of, as a culture, love to be risk takers, right? If it's like in a direction, and we give lots of room for people that you know risk and try, and maybe they didn't exactly succeed, but we, we love that pioneering spirit. But in the Lord, there's this pioneering thing. There's things that God wants us to do and be about. That's why whenever anybody has a crazy idea, I just try to listen to them and say, you know, even if it strikes me funny, I go, oh, well, you think the Lord's told you to do that, huh? Yeah, say, yeah okay. Well, let me pray for you. We'll see how it goes, you know. And uh, I just try to help them move along because at least if you're trying to hear God's voice and stepping out, I think you're better than never tried at all. Right? It's just so important. And there's also something else. Sometimes you step out there, but like Peter, you got to keep on walking once you're out there, right? Keep following it, right? So even some of the risks that we've taken lately with our facilities and everything that we're doing around here and the areas we've gotten involved, I mean, even the homeless housing has been a risk for us. It's been a big step of faith. I was just with a friend of mine, and here's how we started that whole drama. 
I just got sick and tired of seeing people homeless, so I decided just to pay out the nose for someone at a really fancy place, and I put that homeless person in that place. And, and, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is a lot of rent, you know, I'm doing it every month, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, you know, I never see this person, and I'm just helping, and you know. But I felt like it was my seed. It was my introductory seed. I needed to respond some way. I needed to, could not stand. I, I'm just tired of sitting around saying, oh, what are we going to do about the homeless? What are we going to do about the homeless? And throw a little money here, a little money there, and nothing ever happens, right? Because I couldn't find the wisdom path, a, a logical or at least a logical supernatural wisdom path that I could see. But when I did that step, it wasn't but a few months later that the Lord began to put all the pieces together and he's been continuing to put them together till actually we're getting fairly good at housing the homeless. And it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. It's not as hard as I thought it was going to be, but it turns out God just has to send you just the right people, which he did, right? The right team. Plus, then you're just going to have to take some risk and put some money out there. But then you find out, whoa, somebody else in the culture is interested in this as well. And you find yourself flowing in God's purposes. But the first step was a doozy, just to step into that, right? And so Mary took that step. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be, fu- be fulfilled, right? And, and Elizabeth told Mary, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So I just think that uh, it's so important that we respond in our faith first and then just let our mind catch up a little bit, okay? And everything step that I've taken, uh, I'm just so pleased. I, I hope you got to see this, uh, the Indian man, uh, uh, Mr. I can't get, I'm not supposed to give his last name. Brother, Je- Brother James, right? Uh, that just looked like an Indian guy speaking to most of you. Didn't just an Indian guy speaking. That person is probably one of the most unusual people on the whole face of the earth. You saw him just speaking calmly. We're used to Hollywood. We're used to the, movie, we're used to the videos and the whole thing. He tries to stay away from video stuff. Matter of fact, he was just even deliberating whether he should be publicly on, you know, our live stream and stuff. But there's no one like him. There's a handful of men in the entire world, maybe women, doing what he's doing. I can show you the numbers and I can show you the effect. And uh, and so he just came, just spoke and everything. I hope you didn't miss it. Because that person that was speaking to you is one of the most unusually anointed persons on the planet right now. I mean, he's of far and wide. You, you will not find very many. And those that are like him are uh, usually in hidden places, places that uh, you can't get publicity to. He's a little nervous about it as well, right? So Mary not only believed, but she also received the very presence of God, and so should it be with us, Right? And so Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, this is the good news, right? So after he's resurrected from the dead, he's, <laughs> this is striking anybody as unusual. Jesus is risen from the dead. Look at this. On one occasion while he was eating with him. with him. I mean, did they ever get used to that? The risen Son of God. And it says on one occasion. He must have maybe ate with him several times. But here he is just having some fish. And <laughs> I mean, the one that's crucified, killed, dead, that everybody's looking for, he rose from the dead, and now he's eating with them. Oh, man. (laughs) I just think. 
So he's just talking to him. He says, you know what? Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized, that is, immersed with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Mary not only believed, but she received the very presence of God, and so it is to be with us. The Spirit came on her. And so that was one of the biggest revelations of my Christian life. I thought I had the Spirit. I did, but I didn't know I didn't have enough. <laughs> Being raised in more of a Presbyterian church environment and stuff. But when I found out there was more, I was really happy because I really wasn't that happy with what I had. Matter of fact, church was fairly boring to me, and I couldn't understand the Bible to save my life because I'm kind of a literalist, you know. Uh, I had kind of a scientific mind at that point, so I took the Bible and I'm reading it, and I'm looking at all this crazy stuff, and I'm saying, okay, guys, where is all this stuff? <laughs> and, and everybody, nobody can give an answer to me, and it really bothered me. I thought, well, this is like obvious to me. I'm reading my Bible like you told me to, and on every page there's a miracle, there's a sign of wonder, there's this creepy, crazy stuff. I mean, like, like, uh, like people being swallowed by fish and everything. Okay, well, where, where is it? And then I look at these disciples and people being raised from the dead and healed and leprosy leaving, and where is it, right? Well, it's right here. And then I say, hey, she'll receive power. And then I, I'd ask my mentors, well, well, like, who's the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? The Holy Spirit came. I could see it from the obvious evidence. It's obvious to me, the whole story. And I'm thinking, I don't see that story anywhere, anywhere explained to me or even demonstrated anywhere, right? Oh, when the day came, when I found someone could explain it to me and then release it to me. What a glorious day that was, right? Because then I became part of Mary's story. It wasn't just a little tale. I became a part of redemption history, right? God has new babies, this is A on your 2A, way to be born through our preaching and demonstration of the good news of Jesus. God is always promising good things for us. Is that good news or what? So the worst kind of rebellion, the worst kind of sin, so bad that God had to cast Israel completely away to another nation for 70 years. That's how bad it was. Into exile. His people, leave. I'm sick of you on the land. But even when we do the wrong thing, even when we get on the wrong side, God is so redemptive. He wants to be with us. He loves to be with us. And so look at this story. He all, and, and, and in his being with us, it's not about, it's about good things. Yes. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. I love Luke 6.38 so much. That's what God has for you. So after all of this whole thing has gone on, and they have defiled the sanctuary, they've made every mistake you could make, these people were sacrificing their children in the fire. That's how depraved they become. These are not good people, yet they're God's people. So he had to discipline, had to give them a spanking. So he exiles them from the land. But look what he says. Okay, it just makes lots of room for us, doesn't it? Even we make mistakes. God is relentless. If you belong to him, he is relentless. I don't care who you are or where you've been. He is relentless. He's after you. Not only after you to discipline you, but after you with good things. Look at this. 
This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Look at this. Oh, I love this verse so much. This is one of my verses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am telling you, this is the battleground almost all of us have to face, especially when we're going through hard times or difficult times. And you know what? The enemy of our soul tries to make it so there's always hard times and messy times, right? This entire time we've been through the last several years has been a very messy, hard time for lots of people. But still, you can't keep us around. This is why we think different. We act different because these kind of scriptures, we know God has plans. I don't know what's going on with the rest of the world, but we got plans. God has plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. You'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. After all that, sacrificing your babies, doing the mistakes, horrible things, idolatry, every kind of adultery, every kind of sin, every kind of uh, cheating and destruction, still, i got to discipline you, but listen, all along my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you're going to come and you're going to call me and I'm going to listen to you. You're going to call to me and I'm going to listen. that good news for everybody? Wow. He promises to work in and through those who believe his promises and are willing to become pregnant with power as Mary did by receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving and yielding to the Holy Spirit is very different than outward religion. Very, very different. We call ourselves sort of people of the presence, but people of the presence, they're just different. The whole place feels different. Sometimes... You know, uh, I have the opportunity to go to churches, not much anymore, but, but every once in a while, a more mainline church, whether it's a wedding or main, some kind of thing, you know, that really don't really emphasize like, hey, uh, God's living amongst us, Emmanuel in all its different forms and healing and refreshing and speaking in tongues and God moving on you and the, all of that. It just feels different, right? Because it's just very different than outward religion. That's what I love about our church. It's messy, but it's great. It's messy, man. And I love it. And I'm getting all these words. You know, I, the pastor always gets all these words from God, right? From everybody. I mean, once you teach people to prophesy and hear God's voice, you know, you're number one target for all their voices, right? So I get a steady stream of prophecy and words from God and everything. The other day I was thinking about it, I'm thinking, I love our church. This is awesome. I love it. Everybody's trying to hear. Everybody's trying to walk with God. Everybody's trying to get something from the Lord. It's great. It's great. Right? And that's just the way. It just feels different. It's, it's different than outward religion. There's plenty of do's and don'ts in the scripture. Things you should do and shouldn't do. And there are guidelines. There are guideposts. But then there's all this walking with God. I mean, there's so many decisions you make that you don't maybe necessarily have a specific scripture about. Do I help this person? Do I do that? Do I move to the city? Do I do this? Do I do that? Right? And so it's so important to put God in it. I just, even with regard to all of you right now, and I know that I'm speaking to the choir here, so, but, but when you make movements, whatever you do, do not let the spirit of fear uh, steal from you. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And don't let that masquerade as faith. 
you're afraid of something, and you're responding to that, and it's not faith, then be careful whatever decision, especially major ones you're making. Make sure you do it with faith. There's a lot of movement going on, right? Back and forth. California's losing all kinds of people, right? Some good, some not so good. <laughs> right? But it's the strangest phenomenon, maybe one of the strangest I've ever been through. But whatever you do, make sure you hear God's voice and keep hearing his voice. And if you get in a situation where you moved or made a mistake, make sure you correct it as soon as possible. Because if you go, it's sort of like buttoning my shirt up, right? These huge decisions especially, right? So if I miss the hole with the button I put in the second one, no matter what I do then, it's, it's wrong. It just doesn't work, right? Well, God's gracious. He'll say to you again, you know... Well, I'll be found by you. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future. Oh, yeah. Can we go back to that one, God? Yes, right? So it's so important that you make that decision in faith, walking in faith with God. And if you find out that you messed up or something else got in there and you weren't thinking about it right or whatever, then unbutton it. Go back to the beginning. Start again, right? And get on with God's agenda and whatever you do when you make decisions whether it's taking a job or whatever it is right just just make sure that you know if you have to make a correction you make it say god sorry about that okay i'm ready to get back on the track here here we go right and uh because yielding to the holy spirit is very different and this is one thing that we're really confronted with right now in this time so many crazy decisions like how, what do i do about vaccines what do I do at my job? You know, there and well, how do I react now with my children in school? You know, what do I do? Is is that God or not? You know, and I'm not saying everybody should even uh, necessarily go to a Christian school. I mean, I, I have a, reasons for why we think we should do it, but right now, because of what's been going on, it's getting more and more hard to stay in that place. But if God tells you to stay with your kids or whatever, you do that, right? Most important thing is do what you're supposed to do. But if you're supposed to move on, then... And so we thought, well, we need to move on a little bit. So we started this school. So we're going to keep growing it and growing it and growing it. And I think it's going to get stronger and stronger. And there's just some really side benefits to also going to church and having a school at the same place. It's pretty cool. There's all kinds of great things we can do, right? God's, look at uh, 2B on your outline. God's plans for Mary's son also includes his plans for us. Let's look at uh, Luke 1. Uh, 30, 31 to 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So God has great plans for us as part of this kingdom, and it's really important. We're called his sons and daughters, according to Romans 8, 14 to 16. He wants us to realize that we're highly favored and reflect his glory through our lives. John 14, 12 to 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. If you just stop right there, is that pretty amazing or what? Like Jesus is telling these guys with a straight face, right? Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Wait, 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 wait. What did he say? They probably must have looked at each other. Looked around. <laughs> Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. 
And then he says, pause, and, he says, and then they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. So him going to the Father doesn't mean less. It means more. Now he's multiplying himself. Little Jesus is everywhere, right? And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may be ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Does that seem unusual to you? That's a very dramatic passage. It's amazing. God's plans for Mary's son also plans include his plans for us. We're, we're his sons and daughters, Romans 8, 14 and 16. We've talked about this so much. About the love of the Father, the love of God that Jesus felt and love what we're supposed to feel. We, we've gone that, we don't, we're not called slaves anymore, we're sons. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he's doing. Romans 8, 14 talks about the spirit of adoption who have been adopted. He wants us to realize that we're highly favored and reflect his glory through our lives. This, so we have an internal experience and an external experience. And then look at 3 and B. Jesus extends his rule through believers even to the end of the age. Which is just so many, so amazing. But the vision of Jesus and the mission of Jesus was to take us to new places with him. To use little old us in the finishing of the task of world evangelization. The end of his purposes on the earth. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Is it the end of the age yet? Getting close. It seems like it might be. I don't know. This disciples of all nations. There's another scripture that I've shared with you before many, many times. It's in Matthew 24, 14. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So here, we receive the presence of God. This presence of God is taking the entire world to a certain destination, right? And we'll know where we're at in that process by the gospel being preached in all the nations. It's a little deceptive there. I've tried to teach you this so many years, but it's so important to understand it helps us understand a little bit where we're at right now. All the nations, all the ethnos. It's not just talking about our modern geopolitical units, but throughout the entire world there are some 5,000 or more. I can't even remember now. I probably got that wrong. I think there's 5,000 that haven't been reached yet. But there's multiple, multiple biblical nations that haven't been reached yet. In other words, not one person or almost no people in that nation, in that cultural group that speak the same languages, have the gospel and have a church in them. Okay, so we have a hard time because we have English, right? But it pretty much controls. We have Spanish spoken in other languages, but it's pretty much our main language. But in places like India, places like Africa, other places, there are all kinds of peoples within the peoples, right? So obviously, if I'm living next to someone that's speaking Portuguese, I'm going to have a hard time uh, making friends with them if I don't know Portuguese, right? So the gospel has to be incarnated in all these places. So when he says, make disciples of the nations, even to the end of the age, make disciples in this commission that he gives us, right? And I'm surely with you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, when that, class, when that process is done, we see it here in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testament to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
So the way the barometer works with regard to the return of Jesus Christ is how far we've gotten in that task. And so there's still thousands of nations that have been unreached, but they're being reached in an unparalleled way. The man you saw speaking last week is one of those people that's being used as a champion in moving amongst unreached nations, nations that have never been reached before. And it's moving at such a pace. You look at your watch, you're going, wow. She received the very presence of God as we have. And that presence then takes us and makes us a witness to the entire earth. And God also has been bringing with us powerful signs and wonders. And the works of the early church are now upon us, the end time church. So the funny thing that gets puzzling about the whole situation, especially being Americans, we have a little hard time with our cultural sensitivity. It goes, you know, we know about a couple of ethnic groups, so we don't understand the diversity, the massive diversity of language and culture in the earth. So obviously if you can't speak a person's language, it's going to be hard to lead them to Christ, right? So you can go in that nation, you have to be cross-cultural. So the church is not only cross-cultural, but it's being equipped with the very presence of God. So she received the presence of God. Mary, we receive the presence of God. And that presence of God does something. It heals the sick. It doesn't matter what culture. And when you heal somebody's sick mother, they will listen to anything you have to say, speak through a translator, whatever you have to do. They want to know how this happened. And they will come finding you. And these vast nations where we go, if anybody finds out that somebody might be healed, 100,000 of them will gather like that. Do you know that? All you have to do is have the field and the place and tell them where to go. They will bring every injured person, every person that's in desperation, every demonized person, every psychologically ill person, everyone, and they'll bring them. Because the world is that hungry for a miracle. First, there's not as much medical care, but second, even beyond that, there are conditions that can't be healed. And when people find out that there's some people around called Christians, they have the presence of God, these Marys running around with the word of God, the ability to heal the sick, the earth shakes. And... The earth is shaking right now. It's not shaking because of ballistic missiles. As scary as that is. It's shaking because the gospel is challenging the most severely challenging forces to the gospel in the earth. Every religion, every nation, every notion formed against the knowledge of God is being challenged by the church on every continent and every place with workers everywhere. That's an amazing thing. You sort of need to know that. If Mary's story is every believer's story, Mary's story resulted in something incredible. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who the rulers promptly didn't recognize and crucified, but it was all part of a plan. Because then he multiplied himself on the earth. Those disciples, and he keeps multiplying himself, that was like an atomic bomb that just keeps on going off throughout history. For 2,000 years. It just continues. Her story is our story. And right down here into this century. Look at Roman number three. Like Mary, we persevere for the promise God, promises God makes to us. Simeon prophesied of trouble to come even while Jesus was a baby. Remember he told him that a sword was going to pierce her spirit. But I, I just want to think about this about Mary. What an amazing person she was. She's given this word. She, she gets an inkling of what that's going to be when he gets older, that a sword would pierce her heart, that she would there's going to be trouble here. So we need to persevere 
And this woman is our best example of perseverance. Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby, but through the leading of the Holy Spirit, the child was taken to Egypt and eventually settled in Nazareth. So they were dealing with warfare from this promise from the day one, right? And even along the way, this kid was different. You can imagine what it felt like, what it was like, right? He was different. Everybody in this little small village knew kind of the circumstances, right? And this kid grows up different. He's completely different. And he comes back to Nazareth so much so he's so different that even they reject the message that he has and he was born in their midst, right? Like Mary, we persevere for the promise God makes to us. So when you have a promise from God, it always has resistance. So the glory of the whole thing, like Mary, is we, we, her story is our story. Then we have to fight through the various stages and, and times. We receive God's presence. That helps a lot because you can feel his presence. You can hear his voice. You see miracles happen. But then there's just this raw perseverance. This is so important to contend for anything worthwhile. So everything that we contend with as a community is going to take perseverance. Right now we're contending with our school, right? We're trying to make it stronger and stronger in a culture that has become absolutely faithless, absolutely corrupt, right? So how do you do that? And how far do you go up with it? You just stop at high school or now you go to college? And then if you do that, how, why do you open it? What do you do? That's one of our things. How do you deal in a culture where the homelessness and drug addiction is at all high levels? How do you jump in the middle of that and, and be a light? These problems aren't problems for no reason. They're problems because they're everybody's problem. But that's where we go in. But where we need to go is not only go, okay, we're going to go do it, right? But how many of you know that <clears throat> feeding the homeless, housing and everything is fine. It's even romantic until you start doing it on an everyday basis. Then you find out what it's really like. Then you find out why America has such a severe problem. Because a nice thought, a gift given to maybe uh, some kind of thrift store or some kind of benevolent organization at Christmas, great. But if you really want to solve the problem, the church wants to solve the problem, they're going to have to get in the the ditches and they're going to have to get in there and persevere. It's the only way. There's no romanticism about this. Matter of fact, quite the opposite. However, I'm going to say this about this. One thing I've learned is, okay, I'm learning how, when you deal with the people that are not doing well, you know, whether it's another nation or our nation, there's a joy that comes. Mary had that joy, so I, I keep my joy. I keep my eye on the target, Jesus. And I realize, oh, yeah, there's some persevering, there's trouble, but, but oh, I don't want to let go of the prize, the joy there. It's, it's a joyful thing to help people. It's a joyful thing to serve people. It's a joyful thing to educate people. It's a joyful thing to pray for a person who's mentally discouraged and like we have with our Thrive Center. We just encourage them. It's a joyful thing, but it's a tedious thing because people mentally and emotionally and physically, they don't get healed right away. But you persevere, you stay in that, but if you learn to see the joy set before you, then you can endure the cross, but the enduring the cross isn't that difficult. It's just that I just got to keep that pot of gold in my mind, right? You know, and the pot of gold that we have to give the world, the world's wealth pales. The world's wealth is no fun. It's just about endless expenditure, endless power plays, endless self-worship, 
in the end it's dead. But we get to give away the real gold, right? Mary understood this. She gave her whole life. She persevered herself, right? They could try to kill her baby right away. She goes to Nazareth, and everybody makes fun of the child. And, you know, they all knew. In a small town like that, they knew, right? And, and, Herod, and, uh, and they have, you know, Herod's trying to kill the baby, and they sail to Nazareth. But Mary persevered and not let the promise of her baby die. She survived the circumstances of his death. She is with Jesus standing at the foot of the cross. What an amazing picture that is. Matter of fact, it's so amazing as we draw this to a close. I just want to read these verses. Who can imagine the chaos of the disciples? They're thinking they're going to kick the Romans out. Jesus is going to be this amazing. He's healing everybody. And before he knows it, he's arrested and he's hanging on the cross and they're all thinking he's going to get off. He's going to do something. He's going to kill the Romans. He's going to do something any time now. And he doesn't do anything but die. Right? So they all scattered, except for a couple of them. But his mama didn't scatter. Right? What a person she was. And so near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. I'm going to read that again. John 19, 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here's your son and the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. What an amazing picture that is. Like Mary, we persevere for the promises God makes to us. What do you think it was like when Jesus appeared to her? (laughs) Wow. What a story that must have been, right? She was there with the disciples after the resurrection, jointly, joining constantly in prayer with the other disciples and waiting for Pentecost. This story blessed me so much. So she didn't just have her time with Jesus. She became a believer. She was there at the cross, and she's there at the resurrection, and now she's there as times begin to change and Jesus is about to send them out into the world. I just want to read these verses in closing here. I love these verses. Acts 1, 6-14. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. I mean, what's Mary doing? (laughs) What kind of emotions would you feel about this? I mean, the Son of God. My child. He's rising. He's going back. And suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside the men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. 
Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. And look what they do. They all join together, constantly in prayer, along with the women, and who? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She persevered. She could have got offended by God. She got totally discouraged, disillusioned, go cry in the corner, go somewhere. Instead, she's at the foot of the cross, and she's there when he appears again. And she's there with the early church, praying for the Holy Spirit to come, looking for the next chapter. She's flowing with God. The mother of Jesus flowing through all of these stations and times with the church, participating. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit enabled them. And what was that for? That was because they were about to go on their mission. He told them. They're going to go on the mission. They're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess who also is there? Mary, she's there, part of the mission, ready to go. Wow, this amazing walk with God. It takes us into the craziest place. Mary is like our model. What happened in the Christmas story is our model. It's how we walk with God. All the dimensions of it, when you dive deep in it, you think about it, all the trials we go, all the decisions we make, all that we invest in our lives, in this invisible world, then all of a sudden it becomes stunningly amazing. We realize, well, we've been on track all the while. We've been on track again. And this amazing persistence and pursuit of God and then this continual dependence on the Holy Spirit to show us the next step. And as we watch the story of the New Testament church unfold, it's just one step after another, one picture after one intervention by God, we respond. A new place, this happens, this happens, this happens. And this adventure begins, this Great and glorious adventure mixed with pain and sorrow at the same time, right? I want to be just like Mary. How about you guys? Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, I just think that uh, one of the habits I've picked up in my life is I I just get... uh, the place where I have a lot of life wearing down on me and I'm pursuing God's will, but I get tired and um, sometimes I kind of lose focus, you know. Christmas alone will do that to you, right? But I just think, what a wonderful day you that have come this morning just to... uh, And by the way, I appreciate all of you being here because um, I'm sort of like this, like, addicted person to the Holy Spirit, and it's a lot more fun with everybody else. <laughs> you know, during the COVID time, when we were in here doing this live stream, and there was nobody in here, you know, it was really hard. You know, God was there, but like, you know, wow, here we are. You know, I'm speaking to the empty chairs, and the, like, and the worship's great. But I remember the first time we started piling back in here, and the worship was going. And I had forgotten that everybody was here, you know. And I thought, what's that sound? Man, it's... Oh, then I, oh, my gosh, it's full of people in here. And it was glorious, you know. It was 
so different than by myself, right? With ourselves. It was, and I think, oh, Lord, don't ever let me doubt or do without the glory of God's people together. We're better together. You know why? In the early paintings of Pentecost, like some of the paintings, they got these little flames on, on their head, you notice that? <laughs> so like, I can't see them, but you all have flames on your head, right? You're flaming, right? And who knows what you might have to give to somebody else in the room, right? Who, who knows what might happen during this prayer time? Who must knows when, what God might speak to you in the middle of worship? This is a place where God could break in any moment. We are the people of the presence. And this is what Mary entered into. She entered this glorious thing called the church. And there she was persevering through it, but also continuing to receive. And the Holy Spirit kept visiting them and visiting them and resting on them. Remember, the, they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit that one time, but then they were all, a few chapters later, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness because there was a response to some persecution. Continually refilled. And so I'm just going to ask God to bring his fire today to you personally. Just have whatever you need, whether it's healing or just need to feel the presence of the Lord. And I'd like some of our worship, uh, I mean our, our, our uh, ministry team members to come up to the front. Some of you who are newer may wonder, why do I have these people come up to the front all the time? It's because here's part of the whole story. God does things through other people. So if you have a specific need, you can get it right in your seat. But sometimes when another person prayer, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst. And it's special with regard to prayer because if two of us agree about anything, it'll be done. There's something about the two that he put together. Not only did he save us individually, but he saved us to be a unit together. Two or three gathered together, there I am in their midst. But there's also this prayer of agreement. If two of you agree about anything. So we do that. So you don't have to come up and get prayer. You get to if you like. It might be a little threatening or it's not. I don't know. But I like always give room for that. And as we go on, we're going to do this more and more because I'm convinced that the glory is in the humility and the humility is in the saints and the everyday people that walk with God. Church is full of everyday people with supernatural ability. You never know who has your miracle today, right? Maybe you're tired of praying about whatever it is yourself, right? You'd like someone to pray for you. So feel free. A couple of us will be around and we'll be glad to pray for you and ask God to intervene. You need healing, need a, a miracle in your family, just come up and somebody will pray for you. We'll find you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being like Mary. I thank you for the privilege of being God's people, ordinary and extraordinary at the same time. Let your spirit rest on this house. Let your spirit be on us in this Christmas time, in this holiday. I pray you leave behind some presents even this morning. Some Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, and some presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Maybe you need a breakthrough in an area. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need something from God today. So we're all here to join. You can pray for that by yourself. Have the person next to you pray for you, or one of these pray for you. You might want to just linger for a moment. Just bask in the worship and the presence of God and ask Him to rest on you and talk to you, especially if you need information. It's part of your heritage to have this closeness with God, just like Mary had. 